Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. John Nash. How many people know this name? I'm just curious. Do you know who John Nash is? Not very many people do. He struggled with schizophrenia. And he was perceived as an idiot. He became one of the greatest mathematicians to ever live on planet Earth. But he had to deal with voices in his head. He had to hear things that were a mockery to him. He had to live with the pervasive nature of feeling not like he was losing, but that he was a loser. And the pervasive nature of losing can produce a permanent mindset of feeling like you're nothing more than a loser. Well, the spiritual world is really no different. Do you know the voices in your head? You go, of course, I've named them. Just just joking. (laughs) Every one of us battle with voices. And usually these voices are not telling us things that are encouraging, strengthening, life-giving, and uplifting. They're usually telling us things like, you're an idiot. They mock us. They tell us we're losing. They tell us we're losers. They tell us we're an outlier. They tell us we're alone. And what we're going to see today is that in the midst of all the thorniness of our lives, that Jesus Christ is going to enter into that. And the Apostle Paul is going to show us how even in the pervasive seasons of feeling like nothing more than an abstract loser in the things that matter in your life, that God is in those moments. Maybe you feel like you're losing in your parenting right now. Maybe you feel like you're losing in your marriage right now. Maybe you feel like you're losing a relationship in your life. Maybe you feel like you've lost this or you've lost that. Maybe you feel like that all that you're experiencing is the summation of what you're going to experience in the days ahead. Well, I've got news for you. God wants to do a new work in you. God wants to do a new work in our community of faith. God wants to do a new work in each one of our lives. I came to Monday Night Men and I walked in. I'd been in the motherland. I'd been uh, to Glasgow, Kentucky for a week. And I walked in and I met Franco. Franco, would you stand? Franco said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ last Sunday. First time to ever come, 
and you gave your life to Jesus. Can you give him one more hand? Isn't it amazing? Isn't that incredible? Thank you, Franco. He gave me permission. Ken Bartello, who is sat in the seat, angel where you're sitting right now, invited him. And do you understand that a simple invite could change somebody's eternity? Forever and ever and ever, they're real people with real names. They've got real thorny challenges in their lives, just like you have in your life. And the enemy wants to sidetrack you, and he wants to sidetrack me, and he wants to convince us that the totality of our existence is our pervasive problems that will never end. And Christ wants to speak to that today. And he wants to invite you into a new season in your life. But you're going to have to give up the old wineskins for God to pour the new wine in the new wineskins. And there's something else that I've figured out about God, and I don't know why this is the case, but the first miracle that Jesus ever did, he was late to the party. And what I have found in my life is, it always feels to me like God is late to the party. That's his plan. He loves to waste our time. I want you to know that. The God who loves you loves to waste your time. And Habakkuk told me this morning, wait on him. Wait on him. Wait on the God who loves to waste your time so that when he moves, you'll know it's him. You'll know it's him. I want to invite you today to take your program, take your Bible, and hopefully you received a program when you came in, and we invite you to open that. Uh, I want to encourage you to share the service today to be a virtual evangelist, and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. My heart is full as a dad today. That was my only begotten son playing the keyboard this morning, all right? He's right here in the house with his bride, Cassandra, and grandparents, Jim and Sandy, Blesses my heart. Blesses my heart. Actually, the last time he was on that keyboard, I wore this same shirt eight years ago. I saved it for this moment. And gee, I haven't washed it in eight years, just so you know. All right. Thank you. Thank you. How do we stay thirsty for Jesus in spite of the thorny world we live in today? How do we find a way forward? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And Paul is talking to the Corinthians who were living in very thorny times in their lives. And he says this, and I, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except this, Jesus Christ and him, somebody say it, crucified. Jesus Christ, can this section over here, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know about you, but I don't really like to fixate on the crucifixion of my flesh. I like to think about resurrection and joyful things. I like to think about happy things. I like to think about the fact that, yes, Jesus came. Yes, Jesus was crucified, but Jesus arose from the grave. Let's get to the resurrection part. See, 
Crucifixion makes me feel like I'm losing. And I don't know why this is, and I hate to have to tell you this, but when I sin, at least initially, sinning makes me feel alive for a little while. And I want you to know that. Sinning will, you could leave here today, go sin a little bit, and you're going to feel a little bit more alive than you do right now, but then you're going to feel more dead. Because every one of us are trying to find a way out of the brokenness of our lives without having to crucify the flesh. And I just want you to know that you're not going to find it. You're going to have to die to yourself. And that is not going to be an easy task. And there are going to be moments when you feel like you're losing. You're going to feel like a loser. You're going to feel like you're maybe even losing your mind. He focused on Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in, you ready for this, weakness. Can you imagine this being the slogan of our church? Come to Vanguard where Kelly is a wimp, where he's the weakest of all of us. I mean, nobody wants to follow a leader like that, right? We all want to follow somebody that can take us somewhere we can't take ourselves. And here's Paul saying, hey, I want to give you a heads up. I'm leading you as a weak, pathetic person focused on Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. I'm with you in weakness. I'm with you in fear. Do you know that Sometimes people look at me and they go, I just don't think you struggle with fear. I go, well, I must either do a really good job of covering it up, right? But I've decided, you know, I love that country song. If you're going through hell, just keep on going. Don't slow down because you might get out before the devil even knows you're there, right? So for me, I don't know why, but my dad raised me this way. If I can't do anything about it, I just don't talk about it. That's not always a good thing. I just want you to know that. But if I can't do anything about it, I don't really want to talk about it. I want to focus on what I can do something about. And fear is pervasive in all of our lives, and fear will be a part of every significant decision that you make in your life. Matter of fact, if you make a decision that there's no fear involved, I would question that decision because fear is a part of our lives. Weakness, fear, and immense trembling. My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. See, I I take great comfort in this as a preacher, you know. He wasn't very good at what he did. I don't have to be great at what I do, right? No. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What he's saying is, I'm not making excuses for my job or the job I do. What I'm saying is, if you see anything that's motivating you, if you see anything that's good, that's Jesus. If you see anything in my life you don't like, that's me. So how do we deal with these thorny things so that we can grow in our thirst for Jesus? Number one, rest your faith in the sole work of Jesus Christ. Rest your faith, not in yourself, but in the sole work of Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, let me give you some statements. I'm not doing this because it makes sense. 
okay? I haven't given three decades of my life to this because it's all made sense. It's not why I do it. It's not why I keep showing up. Second of all, I'm not doing this because it's easy. One of my favorite quotes is from the movie Weatherman. It's a Nicolas Cage movie. And his father speaks to him and he says, son, whatever the right thing is, is rarely the easy thing. The right thing is usually the hard thing. And I've lived my life by that. I said to the Lord on Wednesday, when do you know that something is too difficult that you shouldn't do it? Because I've lived my life with the mindset that if God's called me to do it, I'm going to do it regardless of how difficult it is. But maybe that's, maybe that's not how I should live my life. And so I step back and I question that. And I question my thoughts and I question my decisions. And all of us do that because the reality is the longer that you live and you serve God and the longer that you live and you breathe, you're going to question everything that you do. I don't do this because I may be more liked. I don't do this because I get what I want. I do this because Christ did that, the cross. I do this because he did that. That's what Paul is saying. I refuse to know anything except Christ and him crucified. Everything I do, I do this because he did that. That's simple. That's simple. Jesus was crucified for you and me. I'm doing this and the power that raised him from the dead. Doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't make sense to me. But here's what I have learned, and I've learned it over and over and over again. When I make a decision to carry on by faith, do you know what happens? I do. For my entire life. I have never made a decision to carry on by faith and not carried on. You say, what do you mean? The power that comes from that, the finished work of the cross, gives you the ability to do what you can't do. Matter of fact, it gives you the ability to do the impossible. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We want God to do the impossible for us. God wants to do the impossible through us. And as my friend Jeff Harris that's watching online this morning, good morning, Jeff, I'm gonna quote you here, so I hope I get it right. Live like it depends on you. Work like it depends on you. But pray like you know. It depends on him. That's the partnership. That's the partnership that we share with one another. Now, since we are talking about ethereal things, I thought I would talk to you a little bit about the first law of thermodynamics. Now, there's going to be a quiz afterwards, okay? So, now, I'm a little intimidated because our brilliant Ryan... McKeel's in the house, so you can, you can fact check me here, Brian, uh, Ryan. 
The first law of thermodynamics is this, that energy can be transferred, but it cannot be created or destroyed. All the energy that there is in the world is all they'll ever be. So let's take that to the spiritual realm. All the spiritual power that they'll ever be exists right now. There'll be no more God. There'll be no more devil. He's not creating any more angels. There are no more demons. All the spiritual power in the world exists right now. There will be no more. So whatever it is that you're up against, you need to understand that there is a transference of power that comes through faith in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. The moment that you say, I claim the finished work of Jesus Christ to give me the power to do what he's called me to do, there is power transferred to you. Amen? Do you know why Jesus died on the cross? Because sometimes I go, well, it looks like he's... You know, who wants to follow a guy that died, right? That had to be crucified. Why couldn't he have done that a different way? Jesus Christ died on the cross so that he could transfer to us all of his power. And we could not experience his power void the cross because he had to pay the penalty for our sins. And so if you need the power to overcome an addiction, If you need the power to overcome chronic whatever it is in your life, you say, by faith, I believe that God has the power to transfer to me so that I can overcome because greater is he that is in me than he that is out here in the world trying to stop me. Amen? Amen? That's the secret sauce of your life. Whatever it is you're up against, whatever it is you're up against, When you call on the finished work of Christ, the sole authority of Jesus, he transfers the power of this world to you to do the impossible for the world to come. That's the calling. That's the calling that he's placed on our lives. Your faith unleashed through the finished work of Christ on the cross is greater than the enemy of your life. Verse 6. Yet, what's the next word? Somebody say it. Among. The power of shared experience. Why do you think God created a family? Biologically. Why do you think God created a family, church, spiritually? Because God understands the benefits of shared experience and the power that comes when we come together. There are people in my life that when I'm around them, I feel the power of God more in my life. I I can't think of a greater compliment. When I'm around certain people, I feel confident to do what God has called me to be. And I'll be honest with you, there are other people in my life that when I get around them, I don't feel any confidence to do what God has called me to do. 
Matter of fact, I feel like I ought to quit. I feel like I ought to give up. I feel like I ought to give in. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. So we come together, we are among one another, and we receive greater wisdom that we could not get by ourselves. I want to make a statement that might be difficult for you to process. Maturity never occurs in isolation. Spiritual maturity never occurs in isolation. If you and I are going to grow, it is going to be because the Bible says iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. If you feel dull, it might be because you're in isolation. Look at verse 7. But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. See, Jesus paid the penalty of sin. He freed us to experience this power through the cross. And we live it out among the mature. The power is shared. And see, what's beautiful about churches. And, 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 I'm, and I'm not trying to give a plug for coming to church, but it does give a plug for coming to church. If you want to make your life harder, stop coming to church as a Christian. No, it'll get easier for a little while, but eventually it'll get harder. And you'll begin to grow apart in your marriage. You'll begin to grow apart with your children. You'll begin to grow apart with your grandkids. You'll begin to grow apart from other human relationships. And see, what happened in COVID and in the pandemic is that we all got used to being alone. That's not a good thing. You say, well, how come? Well, let's just start with the Bible. It's not good for a man to be alone. Bad things happen when we stay alone. Good things happen when we get together. That doesn't mean there's not pain involved in relationships. That doesn't mean that we don't have challenges. In this context, let's go back to the battle. The flesh has to be crucified for the power of the Spirit to be released in us. Not long ago, I, I had this uh, cow. I'm a, I'm a cow farmer. I know, I'm a rancher out here. You don't, call, you don't call people cow farmers out here. But where I'm from, I'm a cow farmer. And I have this cow, and I had sold her to this guy, and I was going to take her to him. And in between selling her and taking her to him, I discovered some information about her that made her not as valuable to sell. What do you do? What do you do? If I tell the truth, then I'm going to lose money. And I stood to make some good money. And this verse, Job 21.10, look at this. Their bull breeds without fail. This is Job talking about the, the unrighteous. Their calf their cow calves and doesn't miscarry. I go, yeah, God. 
Yeah, I'm out here trying to serve you. I'm out here trying to do what you've called me to do. I'm out here trying to teach my kids, you know, the principles of entrepreneurial business. I'm out here trying to do all these good things. Why do you have to work against this? And I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision as to whether I was going to tell this guy the truth or because quite honestly, he wouldn't have been able to figure it out for a while or just sell it like it is. And my flesh said, just let it go. But my spirit said, don't do it. Your integrity's worth more. Your integrity's worth more. You say, why do you tell me that? I tell you that because everybody seems to look at me like I don't have the same problems you have. And I just want you to know, I got more problems than you have. You say, how come? Because I have to put up with you all. (laughs) I got my problems and yours. Right? We carry those burdens for and with each other. And every one of us have these moments of temptation. And one of my favorite things about Jesus is that he says to Peter, hey, I just want to give you a heads up, Peter. You know, the most confident one. You're going to deny me three times that you ever knew me. Oh, no, I'll die for you. (laughs) And, of course, Jesus knew everything, right? And then Peter does exactly what Jesus said. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus can tell you you're going to fail and you can argue with him about it, but he's trying to let you know he didn't pick you because you were so good to begin with. He picked you because he's going to make you something you could never make yourself. Amen? Amen. That's grace. Number two, risk your flesh for your spirit. Risk your flesh for your spirit. Let me say it another way. Risk the world you see, the cow, for the world you can't see, the eternal blessing God has for you. Risk it. Risk it. You can never sin in a vacuum, just so you know. And you can never have integrity in a vacuum. Somebody is watching. And somebody is impacted. So listen to what Paul says. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, yeah, no ear heard nor nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you know what's great about Jesus? At the end of the gospel of John, Jesus says to Peter after he's failed miserably, hey, I'm just curious, Peter, do you love me? Jesus doesn't want to talk to you about how you failed or haven't failed. He wants to talk to you about your heart and whether you love him more than you love you. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, our flesh, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So when God is trying to give you life, your flesh says, no, thank you. Your flesh wants death. 
And you need to know that. And it will be helpful to you if you know that. Your flesh will crave things that bring death to you. For they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And in the remainder of our time, I'm going to show you how to have the mind of Christ. Principle number three, require yourself to have Christ's mind. Require yourself to have Christ's mind. Look at Job 40, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Job, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Job chapter 40, verse 3, then Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am of small account. Yes, we are. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I've spoken once. I'll not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. So how do we be like Job? How do we have this mindset? I'm going to give you four things. Letter A. It goes back to verse 14. Accept the things of the Spirit of God. Oh, well, that's simple enough. No, 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 no. No, you don't understand. It ain't that simple. Accept the things of the Spirit of God, the things you don't understand, the things about your life that you don't want, that you wanted to change, but you can't change them, the things that you get consumed and fixated about, and you don't understand why that had to happen or why that had to happen, and, and you're just consumed by it. You're consumed by it. Absolutely consumed by it. Here's what I want to encourage you to say to the Lord. Say, I don't understand whatever it is in your life you don't understand. I don't understand. You fill in the blank. But I agree with you. I agree with you. Let's say it another way. I don't like this about my life and I don't understand it, but I agree with you. I agree with you, Lord. I'm going to stop arguing with you, Lord. I'm I'm going to stop finding fault with you about my life. That's what Job is saying. That is the beginning of all the voices in your head being silenced so that the Spirit can talk to you. If you want to silence all the voices, say, I agree with you, Jesus, even though I don't understand and don't like certain things about my life. That's important. Step two, seek spiritual understanding. Once you say to the Lord, I don't understand, but I agree, then say this. But can you explain some of it to me? In a posture of submission, ask him. But could you explain some of it to me? Could you help me understand it? Could you help me accept it? Could you help me to be okay with it? Could you help me trust you with it? Let her see. Test what you hear. So when that voice starts talking to you and see 
the most important thing you'll do as a follower of Jesus Christ is cultivate the ability to hear God speak to you. And the most important thing I do as a pastor for you is to teach you how to learn how to hear the Holy Spirit's voice that lives inside of you speak to you. My job is to teach you how to feed yourself and to learn how to graze and not always nurse. Amen? Nobody wants to walk around as an adult with a big bottle in your mouth. Right? Silly. But that is the spiritual world for a lot of us. We expect somebody else to constantly feed us. We've never learned how to graze. We've never learned how to hear God's voice in our own lives through his word. So that's important. And then the fourth thing is to trust God's sovereign rule over your life. Habakkuk reminded me of this this morning in my devotions. He said, trust the sovereign hand of God's power and wait on it. Trust the sovereign hand of God's power and wait on it. Trust God's sovereign rule over your life. For who's understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? You know, I went back to the motherland last week and took Journey Grace and we make our annual trek back. And midweek, we made our way to Lexington. Man, it was snowing everywhere. It looked just like Colorado. It was tons colder there than it was here. And I went to the game, went to the Kentucky game. And then afterwards, Coach Cal gave his speech and uh, he talked about not letting people steal your joy. It felt like I was like, let me pull up a chair here, Coach Cal. This is good stuff. Yeah. And then I went home and I went to my mom's tombstone. For 32 years now, once a year, I go back. At least once a year, I go back. And I couldn't sit because there's snow everywhere. So I stood, sun in the distance. And I talked to her, talked to God talked about the pain of my life. Listen, I'm not talking to you about something I don't understand. I'm talking about something I've done for 32 years. And I say to the Lord, every time I'm standing at her graveside, I trust you, Lord. I don't understand. Maybe you can explain it to me. Maybe you can speak to me. I'm seeking you in your word. I will continue to seek you in your word. But I trust your sovereign hand over all the relationships of my life, over all of them all of them. And I wait on your power. I wait on your power. I wait on your power. And I trust your hand to know best. I trust your hand to know best. These are not words that I'm talking to you about. This is my life. These are not words that Paul's talking to you about. These are the words of life. And if you will apply this, it will revolutionize your life. It will change the way you think. It will change the voices you listen to. It will set you free from the bondage of your past. And it will give you a hope that will never disappoint. That's what God promises us. Amen? Come on, amen? Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. 
we encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.